0: Chat, is do you want to talk? I know, that's disappointing. Sit back. Let's work this How's out. It going? What are we that's doing here? Me. Where are you going? Hey. hey. Hey there. Wow. It's not always easy. It's amazing if you think about it. Let's think about this. strange. I have some thoughts about that. It's really hard for me to not make fun of this guy right he just the way he talks uh-huh. it's almost like someone that's read too many books and the way they describe things is something they've read in a book it's not like something they've actually experienced or something does that make sense Thank you. so i I think we're gonna have to really try to balance accepting who he is and the way he talks and the way he experiences the world with our sense of how we analyze these things yeah and i want to err on the side of kindness
1: of course
0: i also want to acknowledge that it's a bit different and and sort of i don't know validate our listeners who might be a bit turned off by by how heady he is and verbose he is, and uh, yeah.
1: i did I liked a lot of the things he said, I did agree with some of the things he said. I did find a lot of it to be you know positive thought provoking things like that, but a lot of it I was like stop getting annoyed with his voice, just continue, you know, yeah, he's saying things. That you actually agree with sometimes.
0: Yeah. I found him really easy to listen to at times and really difficult to listen to at times. And I hope that we're going to be able to talk about some concrete ideas that we were able to pull out of this episode. But it is very heady and philosophical. Yeah. That last line of his. Say it again. Where he's like, Because everyone has the capacity for deep beauty and love. What
1: are we in for? I don't even know what's going to happen. Namaste.
0: Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg here with Therese Garcia. Hello. And today we're discussing, this is actually happening, episode 306. What if you lived someone else's life? and a brief synopsis. Our storyteller is especially shaped by his father seemingly fleeing from him at five years old. It breaks him and those cracks never fully repair. He becomes rooted with the addition of sibling when he's 13. He finds a normie route of socialization and education hanging from the rafters and whatnot. He loses a dear friend in college, but his frat brothers lift him up and sustain him. He becomes a litigator, but eventually finds his real passion in restorative practice. After ending an eight-year relationship where he's been a co-parent, he moves to the East Bay to be closer to family. He also loses a professional partner to so much cancer. During a trip with his mom and Sib, he goes into cardiac arrest, dying over and over again. While in the hospital, he is in a four-day coma where he becomes someone entirely different, diver. He perceives himself as a water diver diving down deep into wells to save the dying. In this other diver self, he loses his professional partner and feels immense grief over it. He comes out of this dream feeling utter aliveness. Now he must go on living life, attempting to figure out his new self, seemingly abandoning his old self. His past trauma and human relationship learning is gone, and he lives a new life of care and
1: repair. Uh, I thought that was a great synopsis. I just felt like you were being sarcastic the entire time. And you're not. (laughs) You're not. You're being totally genuine, but for some reason, it comes off because you're using like his words too. I know, and you're doing it totally, totally genuine. It's my own reaction, I think, to his his story, and I'm trying to again curb that. I think but we should leave myself. this then.
0: We'll just constantly talk about this. I just want I want listeners to feel like we're there with
1: them. I hope they're feeling that, too, though. I don't know. Maybe we're just meanies. We we might be. And that's our own journey. Not trying to be. We're not trying to
0: be. I do use some of his own language. I maybe there is this deep down part of me that is being a dick. I don't know.
1: No, but you use people's language in the synopsis. I try to, yeah. I didn't think you were trying. It's just... Okay, let's just keep going.
0: Okay, and full disclosure, I'm the showrunner for This Is Actually Happening, and T knows nothing about anything. She comes in fresh. And this show, Trauma Slash Bonded, is for the listeners, a space where we can talk about each episode, digest it, and reflect on it with empathy, hopefully... So that's allowed. Sorry. Empathy, 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 and also a bit of levity. That's trauma bonded. T, what stuck out to you is the heart of storyteller story.
1: I went with one word on this one, and the word I think is the heart of the story is descent. Hmm. So, you know, him as diver, descending into the water, and that was a big experience for him. I think of, he talks a lot about his line of descent, but maybe some of that was cut. But he talks a bit about his ancestry, his past, in that way. That seems to be important to him as well. When you're, you know, transitioning from life to death, there's that descent. But I also think there's a, could be a metaphor for life as well. You know, feeling, experiencing, it's a journey. So I thought a good, a good heart for this to be descent. A lot of
0: life is descent into
1: madness. I yep. <laughs> Sometimes not for this particular one. What did you think was the heart of the story, Ellie? Well, I chose
0: aliveness. Uh huh. He talks about that being alive. What what it is to be alive is is uh, accepting sort of all of it—the good and the bad. There is aliveness and death. There is aliveness and grief. There is aliveness and heartbreak. I think um, media paints for us like pictures of what it looks what aliveness looks like. Like one image that particularly I think of is the end of Shawshank or toward the end of Shawshank Redemption when Andy Dufresne crawls through the muck and the mire and escapes, and he's standing under the rain and you know, his shirt's off and his eyes are closed and he's feeling the rain on his body. Like, you could say that's a picture of what aliveness looks like. And then the way, like, grief or heartache is usually represented. It's like the body is curled up, small, like, go into a fetal position, there's a, there's the light is, there is no light. It's darkness. There's sadness. So these images are mine. The images that we see is how we understand these terms. But I think he's making the point that all of the sad bits <laughs> are also part of the aliveness. And I think to me, it has something to do with you cannot appreciate the the good parts without going through the bad parts and we all go through the bad parts that's inevitable but if we keep if we keep keeping on not his words we'll eventually find the the the, the goodness the feeling goodness again
1: yeah i think that's right i think that's right part of being alive is not just the good yeah you know beauty in life even with the bad stuff and that you, yeah, like that you can only appreciate the good stuff if there's the bad stuff.
0: So he's running down the street at five years old. His dad keeps going mm-hmm. and and the soul image seems to break him. Do you think this story is less of an anecdote and more of like a picture of sort of what his child was like? Like, this one incident didn't specifically break him. This is an idea of his childhood.
1: Right. That his dad wasn't present and he's was felt abandonment. And we never really get a
0: full resolution of the father element. It does seem like at some point there does become an estrangement. And the edit that actually gets released might have more about the dad part in it. But
1: something like, and I talked about. It'd be nice. a bit of a mystery what ended up happening. But he does say he never felt love from his dad.
0: Yeah. And he chalks him up to someone who isn't curious about your experience, which I think is a really great way to, to describe someone that might be cold and hard to be close to. Yeah. But the takeaway from this story or this Description of his childhood, I think, is, you know, he he comes out with it with he can't rely on anyone, he can't rely on anyone, and then it seems to be that he his sense of himself comes back or is rerooted in taking care of his younger sibling once they arrive on the scene.
1: Uh huh. But he also gets a lot of those. The feeling of love from his mother as well, yeah, but yes, but I think for him to feel like he has
0: purpose, it seems to be restored, yeah I think it lessens the aloneness that he felt to now have this this person that he is responsible for in a lot of ways when he again i'm not I'm not going after him, but when he says at thirteen, I noticed my mom was pregnant like it's such a strange way
1: to say instead of saying my mom was pregnant or my sibling was born he, my my sibling was born when I was 13 Yeah,
0: I noticed my mom was pregnant peculiar
1: does it seem like and maybe this is just a theory when he talks about his past he talks about it as if he's watching it I just thought of it he, he talks about this yeah So maybe that's an example.
0: Like this other self, this old self, is like reading a book. You're reading it about someone else, not about
1: yourself. Maybe that's why the way he describes some of the things seems outside of his own.
0: Yeah, it's like he's seeing it on a screen. Wow, T, you should have been a philosophy major. Yeah. (laughs) Were you surprised that he was in a fraternity? Yeah. Man, this is really challenging me because as much as I hate putting people in boxes, like, it's so hard to kick against. Like, if you were going to say what, I mean, I get it. There are different kind of kind of fraternities out there. They're not all <clears throat> the stereotypical, like, frat bro, uh-huh. bad haircut. You know, there are different types of fraternities. There's more, like, one's leaning toward social causes or one's leaning toward academia or whatever.
1: It's hard, though. It's it's just hard. I mean, when he said the word fraternity, I was like, wait, now what? (laughs) There were a lot of moments where I was like, "Okay, I get it. Like I was I was just back from sailing at Catalina Highland. And I'm like, oh, no, you know. Well, it's clear that he's wealthy. Yeah. and he,
0: He makes that clear. Yes. He's like he was never wanting for anything. So there's plenty of money. I just got back from my sailing trip with Buffy to Catalina Island.
1: Like, I was also surprised that a person might show compassion for someone being dead. You know, when, like, his future frat brother comes up to him after his friend has died, been brutally murdered. Yeah. He was surprised. It, it, or maybe he wasn't surprised, but he was, like, didn't expect another person to come up to him and be like, are you okay to comfort him? Which I'm like, that seems like a normal reaction.
0: But but no, you're right though. It's not, it's not his recollection of it. It's his watching it happen to someone else. That's why he's talking like that. That's such a big realization to oh. you. You just said that. Yeah. That, hel- that helps me have more understanding for him in the way he speaks looking back on his life he it was happening to someone else's other former self yeah that's why he describes it like he's reading the script of dead poet society or whatever right
1: right right or yeah reflecting on like what watching the movie yeah like the words he used like scenescape and stuff maybe he just uses words like that but
0: it's yes. like
1: you're watching a scene yeah bam boom
0: I thought it was really fascinating when he was talking about like being a litigator slash mediator. I never really thought about that the way he describes it. Like when you're, when you litigate, you're doing something Uh to or for someone. Whereas mediation is everyone's showing up sort of, um, they're on the side of the deal. And so when he gets into restorative practice, it's It's more about being with people toward a resolution. I thought that was like really really fascinating way to look at that and just thinking about how our justice system works that feels like a kinder gentler way to approach certain disputes obviously something severely terribly criminal couldn't be done in that way but um we're everyone working toward a resolution probably feels more satisfying yeah. than having to be someone's bad guy.
1: Just one point when he, he kind of had almost felt like he was making fun of himself a little bit like this was you know as a litigator that my masculinity was coming out. Yeah and I thought it was so
0: weird but now that you've explained to me how to view mm-hmm. oh yeah how he says it it yeah. makes so much more sense yeah it is a, this this single snapshot of i've got a glass of nice scotch and a microbrew and a cigar and i'm a litigator and i litigate and i'm smart and i'm clever and da, 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 da. like he is talking about a version of himself that mm-hmm. is not himself so it's almost like we can we can make fun of him because he is sort of making fun of yeah. himself, too. But when you think about it, like that was just his perception of himself in the moment. It does feel a little bit more disconnected for me. i like, who is this guy? OK, let's talk about leave energy. Oh, good. and I think I finally got it. What do you think? Well, tell me more about that for now. He talks about, like, this is when he wants to play, and he doesn't worry about tomorrow. He just wants to be in the moment, and then he tells his friends his leave stories. Okay. It took me a minute to figure it out, but I think I figured it out. I think leave energy is what re- the rest of us would call, like, YOLO. Oh, you only li- live once. Yeah that that mentality that attitude like fuck it. Yeah. We're going out. We're getting hammered. I'm going to take someone home. I'm going to jump out of an airplane. Like you're you're I guess leaving your the idea of consequences behind. Yeah. You're leaving um your your path of toward I don't know, success or whatever is we're saving for a house. No, I'm going to take some of my money. I'm saving for a house. And I'm going to go jump out of an airplane like that's YOLO. Yeah. Do you think that I think that's what he's meaning?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you need to get that leave energy. Well,
0: and he talks about how he like kind of exists in some relationships. He doesn't want to be too maybe deep in it. So he kind of lives in relationships in a leave energy where it's more like, we're here to have fun, we're here to play, we're here to We wait ain't figuring everything out tonight. This is just a good time. Sounds
1: fun. It's not how I would describe either of those things, but
0: What would you describe how would you describe it?
1: But yeah, I wouldn't use endure pattern or leave energy. I'd just say like, I need to be less stressed out and have some fun tonight. Yeah. He just his language is very It's very it is very it's very very extra. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the weekend trip where he dies? We probably should. That's a big one, I think.
0: Again, I have some so much more grace for him when I think about him telling this as someone that's watching it. And it not, didn't actually happen it happened to him. We rented kayaks. We had sandwiches. I was singing. Apparently. No recollection of that. I feel like we learn a lot of fascinating sort of medical things in this segment yeah this whole idea of like during cpr his body would jolt up yeah because his brain its brain was trying his brain was trying to reset itself can you imagine being doing cpr on him or standing by like oh my god what's happening to my son or my brother and feeling devastated and worried and then see him just sit up and then you'd feel like a wash of relief. Yeah. And then you go back down and like you're bright back in. And
1: that happened like several times.
0: Yeah. The trauma. That sounds horrible to witness. And to this guy's credit, you know, the couple times that he gets really emotional and really upset during the episode is when he thinks about how much trauma he his body has caused. Oh yeah, the people around him it's not him himself but his body has done it and to empathize with them and think about what their experience of that was you know, it really upsets him that he can't he feels guilty about it even though it's not something that he can ever that one that he didn't cause on his own but two that he couldn't a promise that it would never happen again or that he can't remedy in any way and that he doesn't have a recollection of it happening to him. Yeah. And then this idea that he's got ice packs on his limbs to slow the blood flow Uh to the limbs, like more of the blood goes to your heart and brain. And that seems like it was really hard for the family as well. Yeah, to see him cold and shivering. How awful. How do you hold that idea in your head of feeling guilty for something you had no control over?
1: I don't know, but it's it's good for him, I think, that he acknowledges it. I don't know, it's weird because you're not like feel you can't feel responsible for it.
0: Yeah. But it was your being that brought them pain. Yeah, but he does feel that empathy. That's why I thought it was really cool that they I'm jumping ahead, but they did have this grief ritual. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it feels like this place where everything that felt traumatic about these events that you could all come together, acknowledge and sort of like acknowledge and send away. Yeah. Even his sibling redoing the massage. Mm -hmm. Right. So that it has a different outcome. I think that was really powerful that he acknowledged what they'd gone through so much and then tried to give them this this gift of helping them let it go. Which is also really special because a lot of us that have been with someone when they've died, we don't have a way to mm-hmm. recreate those moments with the good outcome. We just have to sit with, we've lost them now and it's over. Yeah. He talks about uh, the intubation tube. I mean, doctors have said it's the most intrusive thing that you can have done. They do it
1: so much on, uh, like, Korea's Anatomy and ER. So much all the time. Yeah. We need to intubate stat
0: All the time. It's incredibly invasive. I think it's as bad as being on a ventilator.
1: Because
0: <laughs> what I've heard, too, is when you're on a ventilator, your body... Is like constantly fighting it because it's like battling the body's own rhythms of take of breath
1: and taking breath. But pulling, trying to pull it out does show some brain activity, right? So that was a good thing.
0: Yeah. But to witness that, you know, again, he's on this, his own sort of journey <clears throat> in his mind, and everyone around him is just there in the physical, not knowing what's going on <laughs> and having a hell of a time with it. Should we talk about Diver? Diver.
1: I am Diver. Did you find that strange for him to be calling Diver, Diver? So it's like, hi, a diver, the diver. Like it's Diver as a name. I think to him, Diver is
0: just Diver. It's not a diver, it's just Diver.
1: It's not the Diver. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so this he's in this four-day coma. I think this is just one of many sort of dreams. And I put that in quotes that he experiences. He says he's like a detached, ethereal being who's watching the divers and doing the diver work. And he describes it as divers going into wells to rescue people. And he perceives that this is some sort of like purgatory. This it's like a different plane of being where all of these divers are trying to rescue people out of these death wells all over it's infinite infinite yeah and i guess maybe a nut could describe a diver as like an angel or something like that and then he becomes diver so he goes from observing diver to becoming diver and there's conflict in his like diver group where there's this third party telling him, the one needing rescue, is too far gone, and but they try to go for it anyway. And in that, he loses his <laughs> diving partner of many, many years. And they also lose the person that in, they intended to rescue. Yes. And the third party that chastised them don't go does at some point turn to compassion <laughs> for the lost. What the hell does this all mean?
1: Well, I mean, when he was talking about it, of course, you're picturing it exactly as he's saying. But in my head, I'm just thinking, you know, everyone he talked to later said, you fought your way back, you know. And I'm just thinking it's all a dream about his experience in the hospital. There's other people who are potentially dying, other in, in the wells or in hospital beds. Are the divers, like, doctors or people who save? Doctor. And then even the person, he changes characters, you know, that he could even be the one who was, like, maybe falling or drowning. To me, I just thought it was just a a metaphor for what what he was experiencing, what others are experiencing, and that he actually fought his way back. He wasn't the person drowning. He ended up being the diver who ended up living and and he came out of it you know Mm. that's how I was interpreting it but it feels like he he wouldn't interpret it that way this one particularly was very emotional for him like he felt the most emotion that he more than feeling abandoned by his father more than you know his friend being brutally murdered was this scene I mean I think some of it is obvious
0: right like I know a lot of people have talked about dying as maybe being underwater. And I think it is sort of a typical metaphor. Like you're deep and you swim up, 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 and you break the surface of the water. And there again is like oxygen and light and you're alive again. So the metaphor of the diving into wells and yeah, I think all that makes, sense thinking about it from the uh, death perspective i think the di- the female diving partner has the face of that woman from the apps because that was probably just the last thing he sort of remembers like maybe in an obvious dream kind of way like our subconscious grabs images that are fresh to us and maybe throws them in a dream in a way and then to lose that partner i think it's representative of the, the colleague the professional colleague that he lost. Who's who's the third diver that goes from consternation to compassion? What's that meant to be representing like his other like another part of himself that would chastise
1: him for risking probably what he wants his dad to be. Jesus T. Whoa. You know, maybe he's it seems he's unfeeling. It seems that he's, you know, doesn't want you to save the person and just save yourself, you know, or, you know, unemotional. But maybe it's he's actually prote- trying to protect you. And then when you come back, maybe. And you feel lost. That ends with him actually feeling compassion. Well, he talks about what he takes from it. This is the aliv- this
0: aliveness thing that he talks about and how grief is part of that. And then once he's awake, he talks about this idea that he's constantly realizing and derealizing realizing being Diver. <laughs> Again, this is just me trying to understand the modicum of what he's talking about. But if I've had a really intense dream... When I first wake up i I feel that sense of realizing and dere- realizing that experience for a time, and then as your as you start to really come out of sleep and like pick up your phone and all the stuff like it's gone, but there are intense moments of realizing uh-huh. and de realizing that experience
1: and it might come up throughout the day in your thoughts, yeah, we might chalk it up to like deja vu did you want to talk about the other dream yet he does talk about
0: it's like he's back in the hospital Mm -hmm. yeah tell me tell me about that talk
1: about that he's in this hospital setting and it's almost like a counseling session a big part of it was all of a sudden there's like lights flashing and there's this voice that comes up it's like we're losing him i think he's gone you know and he's just he's just watching it and being like, yeah. oh, no, I'm not, you know, and then he get finally gets himself unstrapped and just runs, yeah, um he gets he gets away, but then they burst in and then it ends. It's a great I mean, it's a great scene when you think about it, yeah, what do you think that all means? I mean this one is almost literally it feels like running away from death in a hospital setting. Mm. And that he wants to live. So he tries to run from death. And I'm sure, again, you know, these are experiences for him that he feels are like really, really real and shouldn't be interpreted in that way. But that's how it felt as I was listening.
0: You guys know how I am not a big fan of analyzing dreams. I don't mind it. Yeah, I know. Okay, so you've died and you've come back. What do you do with that?
1: Probably. Go on a date, have your first kiss. Go to go to on the date with will look like the second diver to a place called the well. Mm-hmm. Which I think I've been to. I love the well. I are they closed now? But I did love the well. They had a great hasaibo Bowl. Not sure if they're still open.
0: Are they on Grand Avenue? I think yeah, around there.
1: I was thinking there used to be oh, I thought it was a bar called The Well. No, it's a it was a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Organic kitchen. Is it still open? They had this great acai bowl and they put persimmons on top. It was about the best thing I've ever eaten. I think it's closed. Oh, no. This was before COVID.
0: Well, and it sounds like he comes out of the coma. And of course, it's like, I'm Uh alone. Right. Let's go to the well. Let's have a date. Let's have a first kiss. Let's do all the things. And then, you know, I think it's just life and reality slowly starts to like creep back in. And especially, you know, really being confirmed to him by his doctor that he has, in fact, died. I think they're then with that heaviness starts to start to sit in. And he, talk, he, he describes it as dread. Uh-huh. And I think it is a really heavy thing to sit with. You've died and come back to live. And now, what do you do with that information? Why did it happen? What does it all mean? He says that he ends up having it, you know, it takes a few months to happen and then he ends the relationship with that person. And then he said, you know, he's talking about how he's like sobbing in his apartment. Yeah. yeah and I'm... he says, like, from the depths comes a word, enough. And it keeps re- reverberating, enough, enough, enough. What do you think, enough? is referring to. It's a good word. Well, it's recently been used in mm. pop culture. Like you're enough. Well, I was singing Barbie,
1: I am enough." Oh yes. I was also thinking of the JLo movie, Enough. Oh yeah, that's a good There's a finality to the word enough, right? Is the voice or the word is it
0: does it mean enough of your dread get on with it or is it more like you are enough
1: i think it's both mostly mostly on the you are enough or ev i mean he describes it that he sees all these things keeps getting flashes and there's all these experiences and any one of those experiences right, contain the entirety of the whole that's what he says it is yeah Like, it's enough. Like, that, what's happening, that's enough, you know? Is this where he brings up Rumi's guest house?
0: Whose guest house? Rumi was a uh, 13th century Persian poet, and they wrote a popular poem called The Guest House, and it's frequently recited in mindfulness circles. The poem is a reminder not to resist the thoughts and emotions passing through you but to meet them with courage warmth, and respect we mm-hmm. hear i looked that up i read that that wasn't just coming off the top of my brain um so that idea that yeah you're you're sitting you're you maybe you're enough to deal with something and a idea enters and you can sit with it and deal with it and and meet it and and do away with it yeah that's good he talks a lot about the me and the not me. <laughs> you know, what is self?
1: Me-ness. Me-ness. He talks about me energy. Big me energy.
0: The idea of self, I think, is um, it's a big one. It is a big one. I think people can get lost easily in, in bogged down in trying to understand what self is. Um, The me and the not me. I think this is best represented in when we look back on maybe something that we've done or been or lived through or said. And we can't believe we did that. Maybe you're not proud of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know you, who you are today, would never say or do or be or find themselves in that situation. And you can't believe that you were ever that person. And I think the the, the lesson that we're supposed to learn from that is that, or that's a, you know, I've read this in memes or whatever. Like if you look back and you feel regret about something you did or said or was, then that is good because... Don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel bad about it, but recognize that you've grown. Yeah. The fact that you're able to see that that's not who you want to be. I think self is, it's a, str- it's a strange one. It's a difficult one. <clears throat> we have perceptions of ourselves in our mind that aren't always fully expressed in the way that we like. And so then we start to build a reputation for ourselves that maybe we don't perceive as the same. It becomes, it can become a real mind fuck because it, you're like, it's like this internal I am me. How do you not know me? No, not me. <laughs> people can only know you the way you are to them. And it might not be who you want to be, but it is what comes out, and maybe it's coming out in a way because of stress or hunger or lack of sleep or whatever it is, but it's not who you are. It's how you are in the moment. We want to we look back and, and think we understand things completely as they are, but they're often way more nuanced than... Oh, wow. Like, we should give ourselves more credit, but I look back and See so, yeah, how I've na- navigated certain relationships and I've just been like, "Wow, what was I thinking? And not just what was I thinking for that day, but what was I thinking for years and like so mad at myself, but also like so proud of myself for finally turning it around and knowing that I never do it again, or at least hoping that I never do it again and having some grace for my former Wellness self. Enough the oh i can see how you were led into that and it was hard for you to leave it like i can see that in you and i i forgive you for that and you're stronger for having done it and you can't regret it and just hopefully going forward you don't do it again
1: but i mean that experience is part of the reason why you won't do it again so you had to have it i know
0: I'm quite certain if at the start of our lives we were shown every bad thing we end up doing over the next seventy years, and we were asked, "Do you want to continue? On? Do you want to continue down the road, or do you want to bow out?" I think most people would probably bow out. But it is the nuance of life. It's a book. The nuance of life is it's just you're handling it as it comes at you, and sometimes you find yourself in a position you never thought you would be. And you just deal with it in the moment. I think that's, and this, that is self. And I think that's how we can look back and have grace for former versions of ourselves. That's tough. So he perceives that he's, he has this old me that has no, no trauma. And, and a no lot, and what we are just saying, along with trauma comes learning. You know, that's the hope. Like, there's not, it's not completely, there's not just nothingness with trauma. It isn't just like horror. With trauma comes learning and growth. So, not only does he not have trauma, he doesn't have the lessons that came with that trauma. He doesn't have the growth. He doesn't have the learning that also comes with the trauma. So he is in a lot of ways like a blank slate, which means like he doesn't know how to navigate relationships because all of that learning has been undone. Wow. I mean, this I really feel like this episode has come more to life for me after talking about it
1: with you. Mm -hmm. I feel the same. Back to the sibling. Yeah. When you think of self, you're you're talking about identity and when um, he kind of poked at himself, insulted himself a little bit, right? Yeah. His sibling was like, I loved my older brother, you know, back then. Yeah. I was thinking of my cousin who had a stroke Mm. years and years and years and years ago, completely changed personality, intellect, I'd say, a little bit. And thinking about that if, if you're like reborn and you don't have the trauma from your first life. You're almost a bit kid like. Mm. I'm just seeing parallels with, um, with with yeah, my cousin who had a stroke many years ago, decades. It's almost like a totally different person.
0: It makes you realize like how fraught our day to day experiences are with memory. Uh-huh. It makes me think of my grandpa who. Bl- suffered dementia at the end of his life Uh he was a hard cold stern disciplinarian and at the end of his life he became like the most gentle loving interested person who had perspective and an understanding of self and he couldn't remember but he could He did have a sense of how he was and he could he openly would say that he was sorry for who he was. And and it was a a really short time, but it gave a lot of healing to my mom and her brothers, you know, I bet because with all of that memory gone. There is no you're not it. You might lose the good, but you're losing all the bad including all of his trauma that he grew up with and now it is literally just sitting with i'm human and i've got people around me that love me and i feel that love what do i do with that without putting it through all these filters that i have my whole life yeah something we're grateful for we are carrying around a lot of shit aren't we yeah it's a miracle that we function as well as we do with all the pain and trauma we're carrying around and, 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 being with, and interacting with each other with, you know, mm-hmm. and that then I think that gets to his final point is everything should be treated with care. Everything you encounter, every sphere that you, you know, merge with puppies and trees and that, like, it should all be treated with care, and we only, in relationship, should move toward repair. What do you think it meant when he when he said, "We ca- we have to callous each other, because we're messy."
1: Yeah, we make mistakes. I think it's it's being able to accept other people's mistakes as well as your own, and call each other out on it. Uh, but give them grace as you would and should yourself. Mm, yeah. Because none of it, we're all flawed. Oh, yeah. So it's going to happen. But to hone it and then learn from it, keep that callus, right? You got that callus that reminds you what not to do.
0: Well, that callus represents work.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And it makes it, it toughens the skin. Mm hmm. And we need to have tough skin to get through this world. Yeah.
1: We've really turned it around.
0: We had quite an arc here. Yeah.
1: That's why it's good what we're doing with the talking about it. Because I... softened quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I feel like I really understand him now. Because of you. Because of me. Because of you, too. Because I mean, like, us talking oh
1: yeah totally and i hope that if y'all
0: were able to listen to us (laughs) meander through this thing (laughs) trying to make it it came out on the other side wow feeling feeling one one with our journey you got anything else Steve? no thank you for listening This has been an episode of Trauma Bonded, and you can find our show where podcasts are kept. If you like us, please rate and review us on Apple or other places or reach out on Instagram. Um, Hey, I just want to say real quick, if you're a fan of the show, and I know there, there are a few of you out there, we hear from you time to time, and you're like me or you're like T, you probably don't go rate and review or really say anything on the internet ever. But please, please, for some reason, these ratings are important and hold weight. If you can, if you can't think of anything to write, just five star it and say something sweet, like they're not doctors, but they heal me. Yeah. Something like that. You don't, you don't have to give paragraphs about the ins and outs of T's voice and my oh. knowing everything. Just a, uh, five stars and a quick thing. It would mean a lot to us. We understand you're not doing it, but if you could come out for us, that would mean a lot. Five stars, I like it. Or I love it. <laughs> need some more of it.
1: Yeah, if you could say that, then we know.
0: Then we know. We know that you've heard our directive all the way through to the bitter end. You might want to listen to that one. Well, TIH and ours at like yeah, one and a half speed, two just speed. Just a minute. Thanks to our storyteller for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to really think about it and talk about it. And thanks to this actually happening team, including Whitmissledine and Andrew Waits and the maker of our music and website, Nathaniel Trimboli, And thanks to Kathy Seitz for editing this episode and Kate Capel for building those blasted Instagram posts. You can contact us at Trauma Pod at Gmail. Trauma Pod at drogmail.com, And find us on Instagram at Trauma Pod Official or visit our website at Trauma We are Trauma Bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thanks for spending time with us today. Love you, T.
1: Love you, Ellie. Thank you.